Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Sabah al-khair. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Robert Martin, Nasser Mashni and Yusuf Ahmed al-Rimawi. Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English-language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and hello, Robert. Hello, Yusuf. It's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been together. It has, and uh, we are ready for another good hit. I think so. Not, not a lot has changed in Palestine, unfortunately, so I think we have a long road to go. We have uh, four topics uh, this uh, episode, uh, Robert. The first one is? The first one is a, another potential village demolition by Israel. Uh, that'll uproot all of the people in the village is uh, Khan Akhma, yes, uh, which is a, a horrible thing, but unfortunately not uncommon. Not only the destruction of the village, but also the uprooting of the indigenous inhabitants. And we also w- will talk about the strike last Monday in West Bank, Gaza, Palestinians in Israel, and also some of the areas of the Palestinian diaspora Due in the protest of the National Jewish Bill. Yes, which is a racist uh, bill that the Knesset uh, is passing. Um, Also, we will talk about the closure of PLO's uh, office in Washington, D.C., another uh, vicious decision by Trump administration that is targeting the victims again. And finally, we have a bit of an idea, a new idea for Palestine. And when we say we do, Yusuf, you do. Take some credit. Uh, Well, what is the difference between you and me, you know? We are... We're, we're one good team. We're both very good looking, let's be honest. Yes. Um, so for this, uh, stay with us and we will be back shortly. Robert, uh, we'll talk about Khan al-Ahmar, and I think this is an area you've been to or you've seen in your uh, visit to Palestine last year. I have, and I, I did. I spent some time in these particular places, and they're, they're villages that you can definitely recognise. They've definitely been there for a long time. Mm. They've got small schools. They've got small areas for education, uh, lots of children, lots of human beings. And I think sometimes we forget to mention that these people are human beings mm. just wanting to live. Uh, and unfortunately, Israel turn around and say that these people haven't had permits. It's basically impossible for a Palestinian to get a permit. And Israel's just trying to make room for their own illegal, illegal villages to get new settlers there. 
Robert, uh, we have to remind ourselves and the listeners that we're talking about a Bedouin village and um, the difference between a Bedouin village and uh, a rural village or farmers is that Bedouins in general are the nomads uh, and the desert dwellers. And um, in our culture, in Bedouin culture, um, deeds to the land or ownership to a property or the land is not written. It is agreed upon, it is testified, it is witnessed, and it is narrated and told from one generation to another. And that in the Bedouin culture is accepted and has been for centuries and will always be accepted. Now, Israel exploited this against the indigenous people, and they said not having written deeds to the land uh, can be, uh, let's say, a way to get away with the anti-Bedouin or anti-Arab policies. Like you said, uh, Robert, to colonize the land and import more illegal settlements. On let, top let's of be it. clear too, though, Yusuf, that the fact that the Israelis don't have any mark or take or proof that this is their land. In fact, hmm. the world recognises that this is illegal against international law. This particular village has 170 children in hmm. there. This place has been around for a very, very long time. And you can see that they've been. Yeah, they move around a little bit, but it's clear that they've been there. The issue also is that Israel wants to break up the West Bank. So it's another area they want to build a small village, hmm. turn it into a huge illegal settlement, uh, and then start blocking them off. But the, you know, the good news for this particular village, Yusuf... That they're getting solidarity from everyone. You know, but the, the other good news, and I'm being very sarcastic here, that Israel has given them oh, two you mean, opportunities. You mean, you mean the options? The options. So Israel's given these particular people the options, saying, you know, we're not horrible. We're going to uproot, here, up your, uproot you from an area that you've clearly been in for a very, very long time. But you can go to a former Jerusalem municipal garbage dump. Mm-hmm. That's one area that you can go to. Or you can go to the vicinity of a sewerage plant close to the city of Jericho. So not only are these people getting uprooted away from their homes, where their schools are, where the community is, they're getting told that they can go to these dump sites. As much as this is tempting, but no. I mean, seriously, I mean, that, that is not only uh, dehumanizing a family, but mm. putting the nails in the coffin saying that these are your opportunities. You can go to dump sites or uh, sewerage sites. I mean, it's, it, it's incredible. It's it's another reminder that our occupier, not only it is ruthless, but also it is arrogant and it is heartless and it will go very far in its evil plans to uproot the indigenous population for imported population, in this case settlers uh, mm. from North America or around the world. Uh, on the expense of the land uh, owners and um, and I know before we were talking about how it has a lot of international community. There's a lot of international activists going over there. Mm. There's a whole lot of people throughout the West Bank going over there. And Angela Merkel has actually said that she'll cancel her trip to Israel if this village is destroyed. Mm. So I suppose a good thing out of all of this that's getting talked about. But we can't forget that these are human beings with a home, 170 children in this particular village mm. that will be homeless. I've been following uh, on daily basis the news uh, coming out from Khan al-Ahmar uh, area, uh, especially that Israel gave them an ultimatum uh, that uh, passed 48 hours ago. And um, uh, I can see the difference in dynamic. Uh, there has been a decision made by pretty much everybody 
every political faction in the West Bank, the Palestinian Authority, uh, the civil society movement and uh, solidarity activists, like you said, and everybody to actually go there, be there physically and prevent the uprooting yeah. and the bulldozing of the homes and the uh, village. Um, and that actually played an important role because it has become like we are talking about now. It has become an item on front page yeah. uh, newspapers, including German newspapers. And I thought the move that they made when they went to the uh, German uh, consul uh, or, or consulate in Jerusalem and made it uh, a, a clear message to the uh, German uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel who is about to embark on a visit mm. to Palestine and Israel that uh, do not forget the people of Khan al-Ahmar. And there are rumors that she might cancel her visit to Israel if Israel goes ahead. Well, supposedly she has said that. But, I mean, also, I just I wanted to mention another thing. This particular village is in an area called Class C, Area C. Mm. Now, other areas that have been Area B, which under the PA, Israel can go in there and change the area from Area B to Area C when they want to, which all of a sudden gives them the supposed right hmm. to demolish these places. Unilaterally. Incredible. Look, uh, like you said, Robert, as if you know, if people have uh, uh, written deeds to their land, as if this is going to stop Israel, we've seen it with thousands of cases and tens of thousands of cases. Uh, if Israel wants to do something, it will do it because it knows that it is immune to being held accountable by international law, and it knows that by the support of a, of, of, of a bully like Trump and the international mm. or, or the pro-Israel world, um, that they can get away with anything. But I also want to give credit to the Palestinian Commission for uh, colonization and wall resistance, especially Mr. Uh, Walid Asaf, uh, who has been spending days and nights uh, in Khan al-Ahmar. And also the Ministry of Education in Palestine is holding its weekly its weekly meetings in uh, in the site in, in form of solidarity. And also Mustafa Barghouti, uh, the Palestinian leader of the um, Mubadara, uh, political party and other I don't want to mention names and forget others uh, because it has become the spearhead of resistance uh, popular resistance and it is actually working and Israel is Israel realizes that they, uh, they cannot go ahead with their ethnic cleansing well the spotlight's on them but let's let's be let's not forget that this sort of actions are happening every day over there whether it be a house here a house there whether it be a family being evicted from their house in East Jerusalem these things are happening on a very, very regular basis. Mm. And the Palestinians don't have a choice. They've been to the ICC. They try and go to the, the United Nations, and America vetoes everything. Or, you know, it's incredible. These poor people do not have an option to stop Israel. So the only thing that we can do is boycott divestment, and if people can go over there and witness these crimes and be a part of the community, it would be fantastic. Before we move on to this topic, what is one message we say to the people of Khan al-Ahmar on behalf of maybe the people of Australia? We're watching. We, uh, we can't empathize with you because we have no idea, but our hearts and prayers go to you and we will do what we can. You're not alone. You're listening to Palestine, remembered on 855 AM, and uh, this is uh, 
an episode dedicated to Khan al-Ahmar uh, and the resistance of uh, the steadfastness of its people. Uh, Robert, uh, last Monday, um, the occupied Palestinian in, in occupied Palestinian territories and the Palestinian areas in Israel observed uh, a general strike in protest against a new racist Israeli bill, which is called the Nation State Basic Law, which is basically legalizing the actions that they've done over the years, which is apartheid racism against all Arabs that are Palestinians, basically. What's absurd is that when you protest against racism, you are labeled as a racist. Uh, We've heard Netanyahu in his speech at the General Assembly attacking President Abbas because he says that it is anti-Semitic to call this anti to call this nation state bill racist and he did, did he actually say that he did say that and we might play uh, part of what he said he he attacked abbas for critic for calling this for calling this law as a racist law that, I mean, that, how absurd how absurd is this i'm speechless at the absurdity of of these actions that just go unnoticed i mean that is bizarre and this also law. and also uh, the fact that the families of the Palestinian prisoners uh, are on the payroll of PA, uh, this is viewed that this uh, that PA is funding terrorism, and also uh, the families of the martyrs, uh, because they get some payments <clears throat> from excuse me from the Palestinian Authority. Also, the Palestinian Authority is being attacked by Israel and by the Americans. Uh, for being labelled as, you know, uh, funding terrorists. So how absurd is this? Um, I, I think I think one needs to just pay a visit to Palestine and see it with naked eyes. Who's the terrorist here, though, Yusuf? When uh, two children were killed this week, seven people in total in one day, all on the Great March, trying to return home. The whole march, the Great Return March, is about people wanting to return to their homes after being kicked out. Hmm. Kids were killed from 200 metres away, yet again from snipers, and the world has the audacity to call the Palestinians terrorists and have to go at the way that they are protesting for human rights. It is incredible. How much of this did you hear on the news this week? I think not on our news, not on our mainstream news. That's why we have shows like this to spread the word and to highlight the injustices. And we have to, to say that, you know, these people who do the, 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 the Gaza uh, grand uh, or great return uh, march in Gaza are marching peacefully. None of them carry any form of no. weapon. Almost 200 have died. Almost 20,000 people injured. have been drastically mm. injured. And the a number of them, of them will die. have lost, uh, have lost uh, arms, you know, legs. Uh, mm. But unfortunately, probably 10% of these people will die mm. over the next couple of years mm. due to their injuries. Mm. And in fact, because there is a lack of medical support mm. from the outside world allowing it to get in there. Here's one thing, one, one, one great positive thing that is reflective of solidarity in the Palestinian society that came out of, the, of this painful uh, news um, two days ago, there was a grand 
wedding uh, celebration, uh, a group celebration of wedding, more than 300 uh, bride and groom uh, together, uh, uh, you know, had this grand. Uh, so it was 300 wedding. brides and grooms. Uh, I would say around that number. I would say around 300 uh, wedding, and um, in 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 this particular uh, wedding party, which was in Gaza. Um, there were two sisters who um, uh, were getting married to two injured, uh, two Palestinians wow. who were injured from uh, from the great yep. uh, return uh, march. And they said, uh, because in, in Palestinian culture, there is something called the dowry. The dowry is the a bit of money you pay uh, to the bride in uh, mm. part of the culture. And uh, the the woman said, you don't pay anything. You have paid enough to Palestine by the fact that you have lost uh, your legs. And they waived. They waived the dowry. They waived and, the dowry. And you don't. And so so these, these are small things that are reflective of solidarity, of great things that, mm. uh, that come out of the painful uh, wound. But this does not mean that Israel uh, should continue to get away with its crimes and it doesn't mean that our media by its silence uh, we have to call it what it is it's this complicit is, this is complicity absolutely it is but also in the water there was a number of people shot uh, mm. in the water I mean these guys can't go out fishing too far because the the limit to where they're allowed to go the nautical miles keeps getting minimized minimized and minimized mm. uh, and this is a slow genocide I mean as we keep saying that the United Nations say that in 2020 it'll be uninhabitable. Mm. Or in 2018, we're almost at the end of it. It's uninhabitable today, we're and it continues to be so. And we're talking about one of the most highly condensed and highly populated areas on this planet that has been besieged for more than 11 years. Mm. And when people just decide to march towards their original homes peacefully, what, they, what do they receive? They receive bullets. Executions. They get executions. And Israel, Israel calls them the terrorists. Yeah, we're we're so, defending our So borders. last Monday, there was a grand strike uh, across the Palestinian territories. And uh, I have to say that it has been a bit of a long time since we have one strike uh, across uh, the West Bank, the Gaza, the 48 areas. So it's the first time in a long time it's been completely unified. For, for unified. Yeah. Uh, strike in protest of uh, the nation state uh, bill and uh, this will be the beginning of another series of events but I want to highlight the um, the unity of the Palestinian people because Israel has been trying to fragment us uh, we are fragmented geographically geographically yeah. and Israel enjoys that and uh, because of the political issues and because of occupation in West Bank sieging Gaza Judaization in Jerusalem marginalization in uh, 48 Refugees. and then denial of return in uh, in diaspora so Israel wants to reinforce this kind of fragmentization and the response of the Palestinian um, People should be unity, 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 and it's good. To, it's good to see that. Um, we also want to talk about the closure of the PLO office in uh, Washington. Tell me, has this has this kind of behaviour ever happened within America and the Palestinians, or is this something that's new? And what are going to what are the effects going to be? Um, Let's 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 put some context because up until the late 80s, PLO was viewed as a terrorist organization by the Congress, 
And because of the beginning of the peace uh, process, uh, the American White House uh, was not in line with its Congress. So the White House uh, started the negotiations with the Palestinian and now became the mediator of the later uh, Oslo Accord and uh, you know it. However, uh, the previous legislations passed by the Congress remained the same. So this means that whoever is in the White House can find in the legislations an excuse to use it against the Palestinians and say, well, now I have a law that considers PLO uh, a terrorist entity and therefore you are not allowed to have a representative office. So, th- historically speaking, since the late 80s, since the office started in probably early 90s, it started on a six-month renewable, six okay. renewable uh, contract, and it got renewed uh, uh, every six months. And then came Trump, and Trump changed the rules of the game or the, laws of, the rules of engagement between uh, the Americans and the uh, PLO. Or between basically, anybody. <laughs> basically everybody. And um, we have seen that it started attacking uh, the, the Palestinian constants, what they call them, the constants. The first one is Jerusalem. Mm. by moving the embassy. Yep. And the second one is war on refugees and, and refugee right of return. And well, he, when, just, he just poured a lot of money, didn't he, as well? And he expected that there will be no uh, opposition from the Palestinian side. And he expected that, you know, Abbas will say, okay, that's fine, let's talk, let's go back and uh, negotiate. But when he saw this kind of reaction and opposition, uh, very firm from the Palestinian leadership and Palestinian civil society and everybody, he started punishing uh, or taking more me- more measures against the, Palest- the, the the political parties or basically against the Palestinian leadership. And one of the measures was the closure of PLO's office to Washington. Senior, polit- senior Palestinian politician Hanan Ashrawi said that the U.S. government was extremely clu- cruel and spiteful to persist in deliberately bashing the Palestinian people by denying them of their rights, giving away their lands and rightful capital of Jerusalem. Also, she added, this form of crude and vicious blackmail once again seeks to punish the Palestinian people as a whole who are already victims of the ruthless ruthless Israeli military occupation, she added. So... The bigger context is again uh, America, America's war on Jerusalem, and we've seen that, and also America's war on refugees. And uh, we might, in future episode, speak about um, the right of return and America's policy that is trying to target that to undermine the right of return by opening secret channels with the Arab countries that is hosting. Um, the majority of the Palestinian refugees, especially Jordan and Mm. Lebanon and to another extent Syria and to a third extent in the Gulf to first um, request or demand the Arab countries to resettle wherever they have of refugees and with one condition that they will revoke their right of return. We'll talk about that in it's, future. It's up to the individual to accept it, though. Of course, it's an individual. Yeah, it's an individual right. So I need the. I as a refugee, I either accept it or I don't, and it's up to the individual. And they cannot be forced. Restitution should be paid. Whether they can go back to their exact home, 
probably not, but they must go into back into Palestine. But so far, so far, the majority of Palestinian refugees, particularly, let's take the Palestinians in Lebanon, uh, who live in inhumane conditions because of the legislations that target Palestinians yep. in Lebanon and denying them uh, a list of uh, opportunities to work uh, in the work uh, force. Um, so they've been living in inhumane conditions for three generations, for more than 70 years, mm. and they've been denied uh, res- uh, being viewed as... Uh, uh, well, they're not full citizens. They are being no. denied uh, their their basic rights. So when when you when you talk to a group of people who have been denied basic rights, and then you tell them, um, "I want to give you a lot of money. I want to give you much better rights, but here is one paper you have to sign." Now I'm sure that none of the Palestinians will will sell out their right of return, but the danger is that the legislations that will be uh, taken after that if they choose or refused uh, co- uh, cooperation it will be more punishing them there will be ramifications so there will be ramifications yeah. so we might talk about that in future yeah. robert we are heading towards the end of the show but uh, there is one item on our menu and i think one of our last things that we should discuss is this idea that a very very smart friend of mine has come up with that being yusuf uh, so tell us about Thank this you. idea that uh, can help refugees in Palestine. It's an application on smartphone uh, and it's a platform where demand and supply can meet. However, the idea is to minimize the unemployment rate in Palestinian refugee camps. The beautiful thing. And so basically what it is, if I'm looking for a translator, Mm -hmm. I can upload what I'm looking for on this particular platform. Yeah, you'll be looking for a service and and, and the service has to be things that can be done online. Yeah, because as we know, the, the, the refugees a very, very highly educated but do not have the opportunity mm. to utilize their skills. Yes. And so this basically breaks so into that. This tried to connect supply and demand and to provide new horizons for people who seek uh, jobs in refugee camps but cannot find any due to legislations like in Lebanon, Beautiful. due to conflict like in Syria, due to occupation like in West Bank, due to siege like in Gaza, or due to marginalization like in 48 areas. So they can explain exploit, let's say, other distant opportunities, things that can be done online. And there's a beautiful long list of occupations that can be Mm. done online. For example, graphic designers. How many many events do we do for Palestine events in, in Australia? We need graphic designers. We can go to a designer in Gaza, for example, uh, a proofreader of Arabic content. We can go to mm. uh, a proofreader in Ain al-Halwa refugee camp, translator, uh, especially freelance translation market. It's a huge market. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's a brilliant but idea. But also you can, you, can do, you can do, let's say, classes over Skype. So, what, so the idea is to create a, an application. I call the application eSamid. And Samid has a meaning, it means steadfasting, so the electronic steadfasting or mm. electronic Samid. And um, it just connect, it's like uh, the Palestinian air tasker. Perfect. And let's get this happening, Yusuf. So hopefully we'll get the support. And if you think you can support this idea in one form or another, please get in touch uh, with us, uh, whether on our Facebook pages or yeah. somehow. Um, uh, and you are going to be in Sydney when this show uh, is aired, uh, Robert. I am, yes. So this Tell me about uh, why you will be in Sydney. So in Sydney, I've been asked by the uh, Malaysian community 
the uh, their students, and they're fantastic. And you and I both attended an event uh, two weeks ago in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people are interested, look, I'm going to be talking about my experience, you know, the, the highs and the lows of uh, being in Palestine, but mostly talking about the Palestinian people, how beautiful they are, but also how their life is severely hampered by the Israeli occupation, whether so, they're a so child. So it's, it's or a Palestine fundraiser in Sydney. It is, and it's it's run by. So people get onto Facebook and they look up Aman A M A N Palestine. So it's Palestine without the E Australia. Scroll through there, and you'll see my face. And under that, there will be uh, the registrations. And look, it's it's twenty dollars. And you get a meal, you get to hang out with life. And the money people. raised will go to support uh, All projects goes to in Gaza. Mm. Every cent of it does. So it would be fantastic to see people there. But one last thing I did want to mention, Yusuf, mm-hmm. is I know on your Arabic show uh, you had a friend of mine, Rami Ibrahim. Yes. And I just want people to be able to tune in because he is a fantastic person. He's a fantastic advocate for Palestine. How do our Arabic speakers well, hear this interview? It was a great interview. It was really lovely to have spoken with Rami. Rami is a great sportsman. He's a champion. He wins every fight, basically, in Muay Thai t- kickboxing. First fight at 13 that he won? Yes, and since then, now he's 30-something. He's been winning every every fight. Um, also, he's a great man. He's a great human being, and he has a sense of humor, so I really like talking to him. Uh, so he's a Palestinian-American, who, and he shared with us the 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 hard way up to being a world world champion in kickboxing, and they can listen Beautiful. to it if they go um, on YouTube and look up Anamin Hunak, the name of the show, episode twenty four. Perfect. And his daughter's name is Palestine. Beautiful. And in, in fact, uh, my co-host Darin asked him why he named his uh, little girl after Palestine, and he said, "Well, there, there was a bit of." Uh, resistance from my parents because they didn't want uh, the name to give her a hard time having been because she's going to grow up in America uh, but I thought I will give her something to make her feel strong in moments of weakness when she grows out because the name Palestine will be a great reminder of strength and power so that was beautiful. It's a beautiful story. So I hope people can tune in and share that one. So well worth the listen. And good luck, uh, Robert, in your upcoming visit to Sydney. Thank you very much. And Yusuf. maybe you can tell us about it uh, next uh, week. And I will indeed. I think we, with this we have uh, come to the end uh, of this show, Robert. Have a lovely weekend and we will all speak to you or, in fact, you'll hear from us next Saturday. Yes, until then, this is Robert uh, and uh, Yusuf and Nasser. And Nasser. Wishing you the best of time and salam. Salam.